Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, where we take a look at interesting topics and what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and today we're taking a look at artificial intelligence and recent developments there. Specifically, we'll be, we'll be discussing what happened recently with AlphaGo, which was a computer program developed by Google DeepMind in London. And AlphaGo beat the world Go champion, Lee Sidol, in a game of Go, and it beat him 4-1. So, Peter, thinking about AlphaGo, any initial thoughts on this? Something I found very interesting about the whole tournament was the way that the commentators and spectators were uh, personifying AlphaGo and ascribing to it human-like values and human-like uh, emotions. Uh, there was sort of quite a, a, a talk of it making mistakes, it realising it had made mistakes and recovering from them, it making boring or imaginative moves, but really this isn't really how it works at all it doesn't have any sort of human like values AlphaGo is not aware that it's playing Go it's not aware that it, it, it it's trying to win Go all it's trying to do is maximize a certain sort of function within its within its core core programming um, and I think this is it I think this relates to an interesting thing that humans do a lot uh, which is a sort of look for patterns and find patterns in seemingly random data that isn't there um, and um, through some sort of uh, some sort of um, evolutionary process, this this is advantageous. So find, finding finding threats or finding opportunities, um, and particularly in social animals, finding things that look like other humans that you can potentially interact with. I think I thought that was an interesting sort of feature of the of the general discussion around. I think that's sort of natural. That that's what we as humans do is trying to sort of in trying to understand some sort of behavior as you say so yeah that that makes sense yeah um i don't i don't think it's um i don't think in this case it's it's that erroneous to to think in terms of um how uh, how how the we might explain the behavior of alphago in vaguely human terms because uh it still basically does two things which are fundamental to human decision making uh, there's two elements to all it does one is it it sort of predicts how uh, the move it's potentially going to make will affect the state of the board in future uh, and it can't because of computational limitations predict that perfectly it can only look uh, you know a certain amount ahead you know quite an impressive amount ahead but the other thing it does and i think i think you know it's, this this is um uh, is is it evaluates the board and that, that's so it's a combination of putting some sort of value on the state of the board um, and then trying to look for the move that will that will push the state of the board into something which is a higher value right we can think about that in terms of a set of beliefs which is if you like the model of the go universe uh, if i do this then potentially it will lead to this outcome uh, and a set of preferences so what its preferences are very simple it, it wants to win uh, some states of the board constitute winning and uh, it's trying to push the board towards states of the board that are um that that effectively mean that it's won um that's a, so that's very like what humans do we we have a set of preferences there are things outcomes we're trying to achieve and um we have a set of beliefs about the world which are you know if i do this then then a certain type of outcome will occur and um if you want to get better at decision making you can get better at doing uh, those two things. So first of all, you can get better at evaluating the world, or you can get better at predicting how it's going to behave. Um, 
and one one of the it's interesting that we have a combination of those two things so there are some things uh, I, I was thinking particularly of uh, aphidophobia which is you know fear of snakes where people just people who have that just don't want to be near snakes they're, they're kind of anti-snake it's not because necessarily that well they might know that some snakes are poisonous and they might be scared of that but they're not they're, they're we're hard they're hardwired to be to run away from snakes they want to be in a snake free environment um that's that's kind of different to somebody who avoids snakes because they know that they might get bitten and the snake might be poisonous so one is a kind of preference a preference not to be near snakes and uh, another is a belief about snakes being harmful and and you can get better at doing those two things and become a better decision maker well hold on. So this makes me think of a few things but first of all in terms of you were talking about there about decision making and i think it's intriguing the fact that um um that the the alpha go one four to one right so as a, a as a layperson i would have thought that would have been five nil let's say um and so that makes me think one of the implications of what you were saying is just should we hand over all decision making to um computers right and you know and so in 15 years time we'll all be driving around in apple cars um and no one's going to be having any accidents so i've got a general question about that and it makes me think actually of a gary larson cartoon from years ago where you had um, um a quiz show and you had god competing against i don't know um bert from alberta or whatever and um and and you can see the scores and it says god 500 larry zero okay and actually gary larson said he was going to put one on there but then he thought he better not because he'd get in trouble with fundamentalists but anyway that's a roundabout way of saying what are the implications of this in terms of decision making in terms of look yeah should we just hand it all over to computers and you know how did it how was it that um that lee managed to win one of the games who'd like to pick that up either peter nick well, it's pretty, uh, pretty. It's astonishingly unlikely that uh, we have developed a machine that has approximately equivalent go playing ability as a, to a, to to another to a human. It seems that there's much more likely possible scenarios where either one is massively overmatching the other than they are close enough to get a, a, a at least one uh, one, one to four uh, result. So that's, it seems very unlikely. I, and I think this is, and, and what Peter's touching on there is the fact that we, we are sometimes accustomed to thinking of intelligence as something you either have or you don't. You know, that we humans are intelligent, we've got that, and we create uh, AlphaGo. You know, it kind of seems maybe natural that AlphaGo will be about as good as the best human. They're both intelligent, AlphaGo in a very narrow way, and Lee Sedol in a much, you know, broader way. Um, but actually, intelligence is, is should be we should think of it as being on a big scale, you know, from from ants uh, up to humans and then beyond, you know, and and uh, to who knows where. And we don't know where. And, you know, as artificial intelligence improves, um, the, the, the idea is that, you know, we will see super intelligences that are above us on the line and we don't really know how they're going to behave. Uh, because you know, if we knew how they were going to behave, uh, we would we would be as intelligent as them. Um, that's an idea called Vingian uncertainty, which is you know it means that that the behaviour of superintelligences will be something that's slightly mysterious to us. We don't know why they're doing things that they're doing. Um, but the, the the point is that that is a big scale from from you know from ants up to superintelligences, and we don't know where the, the upper limit of that is. So so it is very unlikely, um, sort of starting from scratch. That that a new a new super a new intelligence like AlphaGo should come in 
at sort of more or less exactly where the human is. It's really uh, astounding. Um, it's not quite the same as with chess, uh, for example, where we saw you know chess uh, machines evolved gradually, and then one day they they beat humans. You know they they kind of got better and better and better, and one day they beat humans. This is a sort of a new approach to to trying to develop well, a Go intelligence, okay. and and so, it happens to be about as good as the world champion. I think that's amazing. I just want to interrupt you there. Sorry. So that being the case, is it what's happening? Is it, on which side is that? possible is it possible because of the nature of go and the nature of chess or is it on because of what's happening with computer programming because also actually and i should have done this at the beginning really but i'm you know i'm not that familiar with go i mean i know what it is and how it works but i mean i don't know how either how familiar either of you two are with go but can you tell me a bit about the game and how it is possible um, for the for for this program to do this i, I well i've i've played go a bit um it's much more uh it's, it's sort of much more complex than chess in purely sort of search in terms of the number of states of the board. Um, I mean, the set of rules aren't that complex, but the point is there's so many uh, more potential moves um, than there is in chess uh, that, you know, the, the sort of depth of search you need to do to try and play well is, is much, much higher. That's kind of actually totally irrelevant, though, because um, it could be anything. I mean, we, we call it go and we depict it, you know, in terms of stones on a board. But as far as the machine is concerned, it's just a state. Uh, you know, the board is in a state and we can label those states. We could give them all numbers and each of those states can lead to other states. Um, it, the fact it's easy for us to make it a visual thing. That's, and, and Go players, I think, use quite a lot of sort of visual intuition when they're, when they're making moves. Um, but, but AlphaGo doesn't have a model of the world that looks like a Go board. You know, it's, it's just a tree of, um, you know, potential moves that lead to other states. Uh, like, likewise with, with chess machines. Okay, so coming back to my question then, perhaps, Peter, if you can pick up on that. So why is it that, that's just interesting to me, why is it with chess it took a while for an evolution of a program that could beat a player, whereas in Go it's happened almost instantly? I think I think that's probably um, the, the historical factors of, of, uh, of um, computer science and, and software design and things. I think um, the... We've come on a long way. Uh, there's an exponential uh, progression of uh, productivity and complexity of uh, computer science that can be achieved, uh, and I think we've just come a long way. And I think uh, it, it was a new challenge. People have been working on the Go program for as long as they've been working on chess. It's just been harder because of the vast number of possible states. It's much greater than chess. Uh, I think uh, chess, the, the chess problem fell earlier because it's a simpler problem. Um, and it's, it's in perhaps recent years when all the people who were doing the chess thing now moved over to Go and the increase in capacity of computing and people realised that it, it's, now was the time that it could happen. So I think it's just the, it comes down to simply the number of possible states that the, that the, the Go board represents. So... Um... What does it all mean? What's the conclusion? What do we, what do we come away from this thinking? What do we, you know, especially thinking about? I know you touched upon it earlier, Nick, but in terms of analysis and decision making, I'm wondering, does anyone look at this? Uh, because of the results of this, what changes for us in real life, um, or, what, or what changes for the way that an organisation might make decisions or analyse things, or even we as individuals? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? 
I, th- I think we you mentioned earlier, you know, things like driving. Driving is a good example of a real world problem, which is it's fairly it's fairly narrow as real world problems go. I know it's a complex task um, and involves lots of different variables, but it's not that hard to specify what the objective of a driving machine is. Um, you know, so we, we we have a fairly good idea about the problem. Um, now, the, the interesting thing about AlphaGo is the way that it is actually a learning, a sort of general learning architecture. It, it doesn't, it's not, as I understand it, and I obviously we don't really know the details about exactly how it works, um, but but it, it is basically a machine for learning stuff. And, and if it wasn't Go, you could probably feed something else uh, into into AlphaGo and, and get it to learn to be good at that. But, the, but one of the crucial issues about Go is that there's no uncertainty. It doesn't have to learn the rules of Go. Um, I mean, it, it sort of it sort of does. I mean, it isn't told the rules of Go, but the point is that the um, uh, you know there is a direct link between an action that it takes and the way that the state of the board changes. Um, with the real world, uh, there's always going to be much more uncertainty, and and it, it, a machine that was designed to learn how the real world behaved would have to spend a lot longer um, doing things to the world. Uh, you know, it would almost, you know, one of the things to imagine is that it would sit there effectively gathering information for quite a long time before it, you know, d- actually did anything because it would have to learn how the world works. And I think AlphaGo gives us a glimpse of how something like that might work, you know, where you can feed it a problem uh, and it will learn how that how that problem space behaves and then work out the best decisions. The problem with the real world is just a lot, you know, there's a lot more variables. There's a lot more stuff, sure. a lot more information. So I think the the probably the biggest constraint really is the computational one at the moment. Uh, Peter, you want to come in there? Yeah, I think and I think that's it. I mean, the, the chess was easier than Go because there's fewer states, and I, but I think the real world is just has many more possible states, um, as as Nick described. But I think the other the other thing is that on <clears throat> the 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 parameters of what it means to win in Go is quite easy to define. It's it's you have more space on the board you control more space on the board than your op- opponent so the the objective is quite easy to 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 define in uh computable mathematical terms whereas when you say i need uh, i need to drive this automated car from one place to another what does that actually mean aside from the the the, the getting from one point to another what does it mean not to hit stuff what sure. does it mean not to run people over okay so but we need to wrap up but 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 if we just squeeze this in then so what makes humans better at doing this stuff than computers is it because we are truly self-determining and a computer doesn't really know what it wants to do other than what it's prescribed to do um what is there a gap there that will never be um, filled? Is there always going to be this gap? No. Uh, yeah, I, I think we will. I think we will surpass human intelligence probably within our lifetimes. Um, but the so what will be the what's okay? So that's interesting. So what will be the consequences of that for people, for us, for for the planet? I mean, uh, I think it means that we can hand off a lot of tedious yet intelligence requiring tasks, such as such as. Um, such as sort of low-level design tasks, information processing tasks, uh, estate agency that can all be handed over uh, to to, um, to 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 intelligent machines to free up human workers to do more interesting, more creative things, playing to our strengths. Okay, and we need to wrap up there. So, um, so the message from Aleph Insights is: watch out, estate agents. 
within our lifetime, you will be replaced by robots. This is, uh, that, that, that's what we seem to be driving at here. Okay, so thank you very much for listening. Once again, this is the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. Uh, you've been listening to me, Fraser McGrew, with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill at Aleph Insights. Don't forget to check out our blog. There's always new postings going on there about all sorts of things that interest us. Um, but in the meantime, thank you very much to li- for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.